Hi, welcome to our podcast. Kids Universe Insiders is dedicated to the kids and family world. We meet with the people who are part of this industry and together we talk about trends, creativity, careers and the latest news. I'm Lily Bettens, Belgian based in Barcelona and founder of the press agency Kids Communications. We represent children's brands to media and influencers. Let's start with our episode. Hello and welcome to Kids Universe Insider podcast. Today we will record an episode in English. I'm very happy to chat with Clara Infante. Uh, Clara and I, we know each other for several years now. Uh, when I first met her, uh, I immediately enjoy her enthusiasm and her sensibility. We have here a true uh, storyteller, a creative mind, and a beautiful person. Welcome, Clara, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm, I'm very happy to be here on the podcast. Perfect. I would like to start directly, if you can make a brief presentation of yourself. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I'm Clara, and uh, I live just south of Barcelona in the Garraf. I'm a mother of three kids and um, a creative Uh, I like to work with my hands, making all sorts of things, um, and uh, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, can you can you tell us about your business, Copito? Uh, it was first a second-hand platform. You sold, um, you know, the all the vintage and uh, second-hand clothes. Can you? Can you can you tell us a bit about the project? How did you start it? Uh, where the idea came from? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I grew up in the states, and uh, in the states, secondhand um, is sort of very normal uh, way of of consumerism. Um, it's uh, sort of widely accepted by all sorts of demographics and it doesn't matter if you are you know wealthy or not wealthy uh, everyone shops vintage and uh, so I grew up that way and when we moved to Spain um, I was sort of surprised and saddened by the amount of um, of uh, resources for buying secondhand for both myself and my children um, and then as well at the time there was this uh, like a, a mother's kind of movement online, especially on Instagram, of uh, selling your children's clothes um, on there. So it was like closet sales and that sort of thing. And uh, I decided that I would participate in that. But very quickly, I realized that it wasn't palatable for the moms here in Spain. I think Spain is like a Catholic okay. country, very... Um, traditional mm -hmm. and secondhand is seen as you know uh, I, the change is coming or it was coming at the time but it wasn't quite there not and that so, fast no not that fast <laughs> and so I decided at the time that uh, I would try and and make a very sleek clean looking website shoot the garments the way that other brands and retailers were shooting them and have it look really clean so that the moms here could understand that actually the value is still there in that item mm -hmm. of clothing. Um, 
and it worked. Um, over time, I started to build a community of like-minded moms. There was a lot of expats, but actually, surprisingly, there was also a lot of Spanish moms who kind of caught on to what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, there was a couple of them, actually, who helped me to spread the word to their friends. And, you know, it was this sort of generation of modern moms who are... Um, you know, conscious of uh, the environment and and ethical fashion and that sort of thing. And so, um, yeah, so that's where it started. It that's started, it yeah, yeah, yeah. In, and it evolved to a creative and uh, another uh, project. So can you, can, you, can you tell us also about that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, over time, of course, I was spending a lot of time on Instagram and uh, seeing what other people were doing and feeling really inspired by other uh, kind of makers on the platform who were um, doing things like patchwork or uh, dyeing fabric um, naturally and, and that sort of thing. And I just, I was so inspired. I was in such a moment of like, I was so energized and, and inspired to, to try these things. And I was going on YouTube and buying books and teaching myself a lot of these different crafts. And all of it felt like a world of possibility and something that I could add on to my vintage um, sort of website that I'd created because I, I had an audience there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I started experimenting and I was posting all of it on Instagram, everything was in my stories. I was kind of oversharing, but people seemed to like it and I didn't feel like I was oversharing at the time. And I just, every part of the process, I was sharing on my stories and people were sort of like applauding me through my successes and my failures. And that kept me going. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and it also helped me to create my first uh, product. Exactly. Um, mm -hmm. So my, my son Lenny was going to turn two and I had all these pigments at home that I'd been using to dye fabric with and I thought I should do something for mm -hmm. him with this and document it. And um, uh, I'd actually been gifted a book by some friends called um, the, the Earth Artist by Nick Nato. Okay. And um, I... There, there'd been like a tutorial on how to make pencils with a, a, a crayon encasing on the inside with uh, using like earth pigments and that sort of thing. And I got the idea from that. And uh, I started to make these sort of blocks of, of wax mm -hmm, with pigment mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. them. You know, I'm, I'm not going to call them crayons because looking <laughs> back, I'm like, no, they were just really hard, rigid blocks of wax that like... You had to press really hard on them to get any color out of them. <laughs> um, but I, I made them for my son and, you know, I, I carved them into the shape of a pencil. And yeah. I, I think people just loved the idea. And I put a pre-order link up uh, for 20 sets and they sold out in a couple of minutes. Wow. And um, that I had to learn how to make them at scale. Mm -hmm, and course. all of a sudden I was making crayons and I was spending a lot of time um, doing that and I didn't really have enough time to be doing, you know, the other stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's kind of how the work evolved towards something else. So I started with crayons and once I had wax in my studio, I was like, okay, well now I'm making stuff with wax. So what else can I make? And I, 
I diverted towards uh, candles as well. And candles, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think it's interesting also if we can just uh, talk a bit, a little bit more of a reorientation, no? Because we said, okay, uh, something, a project that you launch is not working, but there is a positive um, result also on uh, something that now we we don't call that a failure, but maybe not a, not a successful project. Yeah. Uh, and I think that can be also interesting for the people who listen to us now and, and have a business who's not that successful at the moment. What what you w- w- would be your recommendation? You know, I think it's important to take the weight off the word failure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't see a failure as something negative. I see it as an opportunity for pivoting. Exactly. And, um, mm-hmm. Making, like shedding what isn't working and sticking with what is working because what happens is our our lives are so full of things that as soon as you can kind of get rid of this I get that for our egos and and not just our egos right like our wallets our self-esteem the people around us Mm -hmm. who've been following us saying this isn't working anymore um it's a difficult thing to say you know, but I don't think it has to be so black and white. I think it's just about looking at, at what you're doing and saying, okay, it's time for a change and just letting go of, again, for me, I, I went on holiday and I was thinking it's always in these times of sort of taking a break yes, and, and yes, taking yes. a step back from my work that I look and I think, okay, this is what's not working and this is what's working. And I came back from my holidays and I, I made the decision to discontinue the vintage, but I never made a statement about it. I didn't do like a rebrand. It wasn't like I'm starting from zero. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. This is a continuation of me, right? Like my project is an extension of who I am. So as humans, you know, we don't just go, okay, now I'm reborn, you know, and I'm a different person. I'm changing my name. Like that's just not. Yeah. You have your background now coming with you. And all of that, like that journey is what has brought me here. So you know, people ask me, like, do you have any regrets? Would you have done anything differently? And I, my answer is always no, because without having taken all those steps and, you know, th- it was through Copito that I met you, for example. Exactly. And, and through meeting you, you've opened so many doors for me in, in you know, in the world. And now I'm doing something completely different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm happy about it. <laughs> okay. Um, another part of you, I wanted, uh, you know, to to focus on this uh, on this episode, is that you're a mother of three, of course, and uh, we know that uh, motherhood influence your creation of uh, Copito. Um, but motherhood, how did you influence you? What has changed in Clara since uh, she became a mother? Oh man, that's a, that's a <laughs> Pandora's box of a of a question of a question. Uh, yeah, you know, motherhood for me has been a really interesting sort of trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think for everybody it is, but you know, for me, ongoing. Yeah, an ongoing sort of discovery. Um, I've grown more in the last six years than than probably in the previous, you know, 15 Mm -hmm. years. Um, I think uh, what motherhood did for me was that it, it 
first of all, because I decided to take a break from my professional life mm-hmm. from before, from mm-hmm. my past mm-hmm. life, um, I, I, d- I knew that this time that I had at home with my children was also like the time that I would have to, to come up with the thing, whatever that thing was going to be, so that I wouldn't have to go back into the corporate world mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or that I wouldn't have to go back and work for somebody else. And, um, and so all of a sudden, I felt this sense of urgency, um, you know, and, and of course, your time is so limited when you're a mother to do anything that it became like a funnel for my creativity. You know, I'd always been very creative, but I had no limitations. And so um, I found it really difficult to kind of to harness it and, and hone in on something. And all of a sudden, it was like I had no time. You know, I put my kid down for a nap and I'd be like, okay, if I'm lucky, I get like 15, 20 minutes before the other one wakes up. And in that 15, 20 minutes, I'd be doing something, you know, Mm -hmm. taking pictures or, um, you know, learning a craft. Um, I always had a baby strapped to my back when I started, you know, dyeing fabric and making candles. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I started in my in my home, you know, in my kitchen. And so I was like cooking lentils and melting wax on the same (laughs) stove. Um, And um, I know that that's not the case for a lot of uh, mothers and a lot of creatives. I've spoken to other moms who are creatives, but they were creatives before they had their children. uh And so uh they're sort of having to learn how to be creative with all these limitations. My husband included, actually. My husband's a musician. And now he's like, but but I only have so much time and I need like a few hours to decompress before I can get into the creative process, into the creative process. So I was lucky enough to to have been able to benefit from it. I think what's amazing about my children is that, you know, I am with them for too long and I just want to run to work. And then I go to work and when I'm at work for too long, I just want to run back to my kids. And mm-hmm. it's this sort of like duality of motherhood mm-hmm. um, and being a creative and being a professional okay. and owning a business, which is both infuriating and really like exhilarating. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. we experienced that all the month. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay, I want also, because you had an international childhood and youth, you grew up abroad. Mm, how do you think your background outside Spain has influenced uh, the woman you are today? Uh, I get asked this a lot. It's yeah. such a funny thing because, you know, I think nowadays it's a lot more common for kids to have parents from two different places. But I, I grew up, my mom is French and my dad is Spanish and I grew up in the States and there weren't a lot of kids like me there. And, you know, when you're a kid, you just want to blend in. You want to be the same as everyone else. You Mm -hmm. don't want to be weird. You don't want to be different. Um, And uh, and so, you know, I was like the European kid there. And you could see it in my clothes. You could see it in my haircut. You could hear it in my accent um, because I didn't always speak English with this twang that I have now. and uh you know i hated it i hated it and then and then eventually after a few years of living in the states when we would come back to europe in the summers i was very i'd become very americanized and i would go come back and i was like the like i wasn't european enough here i wasn't spanish enough and i wasn't french enough and um 
I, I became really insecure about those things. And um, I just, you know, I felt like my, my Castellano wasn't good enough or my French wasn't good enough. And so I, mm-hmm. I felt embarrassed speaking it, yeah. not realizing that actually my level of speaking four different languages was much higher than, than some adults get to have in, in their lifetime. But at the time for me, it just, that didn't matter. Like I was weird and I didn't mm-hmm. like being mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. And, um, and that kind of followed me into adulthood, actually, um, surprisingly, because then when you become an adult, you kind of want to stand out a little bit. You want to have something different about you because that kind of can help you stand out if you're, you know, starting a business or whatever. It can make you, you know, more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we moved back to Spain, I remember I had this big chip on my shoulder about like making it here and being accepted by my peers here. and. Mm-hmm. And thinking about that uh, as well with France and being like, maybe, you know, maybe I can be accepted by by the French as well, you know, these big <laughs> aspirations of acceptance. And, and then eventually it kind of just faded away. I got busy with my work and I, I focused, I honed in on, on my creative practice. And, and then these opportunities, these like, you know, Milk Magazine, which is like this really big French publication. Yeah approached me about doing something and it should have been I mean it was actually it was a really big deal but but not for that reason right not for like oh my god now the French have now accepted me into their world you know and uh, now I realize like what an advantage um, being you know multilingual Mm -hmm. and fluently in in most of these languages but also having this like cultural fluidity yes yes and being able to adapt to different situations um, and be my more Spanish self around Spanish people. I feel like it makes people feel more comfortable as well because they they know what to do with me and they know kind of where to place me. But um, yeah, so that was my my upbringing and kind of how it's followed me into yeah, my yeah. adulthood. So you came back to Spain. Yeah. Um, and how do you pass all your cultural baggage to your children, you know? Uh, what language do you speak at home, for example? Yeah. Can you tell uh, us? Yeah, so we actually, we speak English at home. Okay. I, um, I always thought that I would speak French to my children the way that my mom did. Mm-hmm. But I also thought that I was going to raise my kids in the States and that the, if I was lucky, they were going to have two languages. Okay. Um, and then we moved back here and they're speaking Catalan at school and Castellano with their friends and... At home, we speak English. One of my kids actually ended up having a bit of a um, developmental thing because of of COVID and the pandemic and being, you know, at home. Um, all of a sudden, he developed a bit of a selective mutism when we went back to school. And uh, the idea of adding French into the mix just thought felt like a, a, a bit much of Too a... Much. Um, but, you know, they're, they're growing up speaking three languages, which, again, is very... Uh, advantageous and and it's amazing um and there's always the the, the possibility for yeah of, in the course, future. of course and and what do you think it's the difference be- between your childhood and their childhood do you do do you do they have a, a more conscien- conscientious you know that childhood now yeah absolutely so it's a it's a funny thing right because i think i grew up um in the early 90s um and I think we were all sort of very blissfully unaware of climate change mm-hmm. and, and conscious 
and you know it was like this sort of I remember the the mention of like greenhouse emissions right it was like this uh they didn't call it climate change back then what did they call it I no. can't remember but it was you know it was a uh, global warming right yeah. there was a little bit of of you know of um chatter around that but it wasn't something that that was like hammered into us and so in a way like I'm glad that I got to have this childhood where it wasn't a thought in my mind. I was just like, oh, like the planet is the planet and everything's fine Mm -hmm. and we're cool. And I got to be a kid. Right. And so I think about that for my kids. They're still very small for me to be having like these serious conversations with them about the state of um, of the planet and the Mm -hmm. environment Mm -hmm. and everything. But we, you know, are we do make them conscious of like what is going on in a way that's like age appropriate for them and uh, we're just trying to raise them in a way where um, there is a little bit of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for it's like uh, just being present Mm -hmm. and making decisions that are you know where you put thought behind Mm -hmm, things mm -hmm, and you're not mm -hmm. just walking into a Zara every week because Zara puts out new clothes every week and you think I have to go in there like a robot you know Mm -hmm. what I mean like I'm trying to teach them how to be responsible consumers I'm trying to teach them um you know we're not completely zero waste because it it's very difficult for us and we're very busy and you know but we we kind of strive for that and we're trying to teach them about that we tell them where the waste goes Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. and when we drive past we drive past like this big waste thing that smells Mm -hmm, when we're mm -hmm. driving on the highway going to like a nearby town and they're always like oh it smells and I use that opportunity to explain to them why what that is and where that smell is coming from um and I feel like they're growing up a lot more conscious of of that than I did that you did yeah Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. yeah I think well you know you you had like very interesting really journey in your childhood motherhood and and also in your in your work in you because you 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 start working in the states, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, photography is an important role in your life. And can you tell us about your previous experience in in your job? Yeah, yeah. So before I became a mother, um, I worked in the music industry. Okay. Um, and I'm I'm like a real dinosaur of <laughs> social media. Yes. Uh, because <laughs> I started working in digital marketing when. It was MySpace, you know, it was okay. before even Facebook existed or before Facebook was an accessible platform for that sort of um, marketing. And um, and so, you know, I worked in in agencies. I had, you know, my own little incubator w- with my own clients for a long time. I worked at, at record labels um, and, you know, at the very end of that that part of my you know, mm-hmm. uh, career. Uh, I was at the top of a, you know, department for digital marketing at a record label. And, um, and so I've been able to use that experience um, towards what I'm doing now. Having the knowledge of, um, it's kind of in my blood, right? Just every day I wake up and I'm not thinking about social media, I think the way that most people mm-hmm, do. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of like questions about advice of 
how to do the page management and stuff yeah, like exactly. that. And for me, it's just this thing that comes second nature. I see a moment and I think, oh, this is something I want to share. And I think for people, it's not that um, automatic or that it doesn't come that spontaneous. Yeah, no? spontaneous. Yeah. Exactly. And, um, you know, one thing I hadn't really delved into when I was doing page management for my clients because they all had their own photographers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I did know that you needed to make content in order to be able to do the work that I was doing. I was actually requesting for my musician, you know, my artist um, clients, I would say you need to hire a tour photographer and I need content. Yeah. And I also need photos of you when you were a baby. And I need, you know, it was like, I, I need, wanted to have a pool of content that I could use to make to these make kind of star. social calendars for them. And we would be posting every week and, and that sort of thing. And I trained a lot of people how to be more active themselves because it, it just came off as more authentic if it was coming from them mm -hmm. than it, if it was coming from me. And um, and I, when I left the music industry to become a mother, I uh -huh. knew that I never wanted to go back. My husband's a musician <laughs> and I I'll always have that tie to it, but I was burnt out. I didn't want to do it anymore. I didn't want to be at a music festival or concert or, you know, only if I wanted to be there. And now uh -huh. I get to do that. Um, but I, I decided I was going to start something and it started with getting a camera. Mm -hmm. Um, and I didn't know anything about cameras and I didn't know anything about taking photos. And I asked a couple of photographer, I actually asked my friend Ramiro, who was our, incidentally, our wedding photographer to mm -hmm. help me, you know, to help me learn how to do product shots. That, that's how it kind of started. Um, and over time, whenever I would hit a wall with my photography, I would call a friend who knew how to use a camera and say, I'm having this problem. Why are my pictures yeah, yeah. so yellow? You know, it's like <laughs> your white balance is off. Okay. And so I started to learn, like, I don't actually, I still don't know anything about photography, but I, uh, I have the instinct the now and yeah, a little bit more of an eye for it. But I do think that it's something like everything that is learned, mm -hmm. you know, they say that people who are talented, mm -hmm. it's just that they, they put the time and energy into learning that skill. So I learned how to make candles, watching YouTube videos, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know, and I learned to take photos and edit them th through my friend and wedding photographer, you know, and so opportunities, it's opportunities. And it's, it's about seeing, it's not about looking at photography and saying I have to learn everything about photography I'm just learning the the the, the tool the skills and the tools that I need, need for the thing which I'm trying to do in that moment mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and not trying to get you know same with candle making I'm sure there's still a lot of things that I don't know about mm -hmm, candle making mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know but I know what I need to know to do the things which I'm doing yeah, yeah. so So you have your two accounts in Instagram. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, Clara Infante and you have uh, Shop Copito. Mm -hmm. uh, is it is it something like you can make the difference between the two or how do you manage? Yeah, you know, they're intertwined. I Sometimes <laughs> I struggle to know, like, I'm like, do I post this? Which account do I post this on? Yeah. It's a lot easier for me now that there was a time where I sort of put everything into Shop Copito mm -hmm. and that was the thing that I was driving. Um, but I was at the forefront of it. I was in all my stories. My kids were in it, you know, and then I got to a point where I kind of felt like, okay, I did have a personal account and it was open to, for the world to see. And I knew that 
people wanted to see on one account more of one thing and on the other account I could just funnel more of my personal content there. I also got to a point where I started working with retailers who were carrying my products and mm -hmm. stuff like that and it felt like I needed to be just like a tiny bit more buttoned up on my professional account. Um, that's not to say that you won't ever see my kids on mm -hmm, there and mm -hmm. that's not to say that I won't one day just go on there and do something really weird and off-putting for a brand, you know, but um, but I did decide to separate both things and on my Clara and Fonte account, I get to just be myself and, you know, and do things that are sometimes not very, you know, buttoned up or very, okay. like, influencer, like, okay, you know, okay. I'm doing the air uh, quotation marks on the influencer <laughs> thing because I don't really like that word, no, but... No. Um, Exist. But, you know, I think it's like I can be really be myself on uh, Clara and Fonte, and I feel like this community that I've developed around my work and my family and my kids and myself, they they kind of know me and they know what it's about, you know? So um, I like Great. having the two platforms to be able to really be myself. Perfect, yeah. perfect. Also, lo looking ahead now, uh, 2023 now, um what are your projects for for this year or or how do you see yourself uh, yeah in the I coming have, year i feel like we talked about this a, a few weeks ago before the interview and now i feel like my answer to that question might be a little bit different <laughs> um, because i've had some time away from my work yes. again and i've thought about what i need to leave behind and what i want to move forward with and um I've spent a lot of time over the last year focused on uh, production at scale for my retailers. And um, it's been amazing and exhilarating. And I can't believe how much product we were able to, to make. But I also kind of realized that that is not how I, it's not where I'm at right now in my life. I have three small children and and I'm turning myself into like a machine, like a candle making machine. And, <laughs> and that's also, you know, doesn't leave any space or time for creativity and for the, the reason that I started my own business was to have a little bit of freedom, to have a little bit of flexibility and to be able to explore. Okay. And exploration is really at the root of my project. And I feel like I haven't made anything new mm -hmm, in a long mm -hmm, time. Mm -hmm. And so um, a big part of that is like slowing down my production, saying no to like some, you know, I get contacted by retailers and I don't think I've ever said no. Mm -hmm. And so just learning to say no, not because it's anything against that particular brand or store, but because it's something which is for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, I really want to focus back into my community. I think that like having focused so much on my retailers over the last couple of years, I've lost a little bit of touch with who is following me and okay. what they like and what they want to see, what they want to buy and, and that sort of thing. And a big part of that, the, the question I get asked all the time is, are you going to make this workshop in Spanish? Are you going to make it in a different language? I do, people know that I speak languages mm -hmm, and I only mm -hmm. offer my my workshops in English so I'm going to be re-recording them and making them available in three different languages which will be French, French. and Spanish okay, and, and English. English and um, and yeah that's kind of 
you know, that's what I think I'm going to be doing. And then there's whatever I yeah, end up yeah, doing. Yeah, you open the door on your know, Paul. On but your I'm sort of saying it out loud so I can, like, manifest perfect, it. Perfect, perfect. Yes. Year, so. Thank you for that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we, it was very interesting chat with you, uh, Clara. Uh, I think we enjoy very much hearing your story Thank and you. your experience and uh, all your journey. Uh, I wanted to conclude the, the podcast also to, um, if you have a, any any idea, because we like to ask this question, you know, if you, you want to uh to hear someone here at the at the kids insider universe if you if you think of someone that you want to yeah hear. absolutely i'd love to hear what caroline from ah, Bruni, yes uh art de vivre uh would have to say okay. i would love an interview with her okay can you let us know who is she Uh, so caroline is um she's a mother as yeah. well and she's a maker and she's just um She does, she, she has her hand in a lot of different baskets, like most of us do, yes. um, but she does a lot of like home decoration projects. She has clients that she does, um, you know, like interior design work for. Um, and then she also, if you've ever been to a party of hers, it's incredible. Like she just, she can whip up like 10 different dishes. Um, you know, she could run a, a catering company. I mm -hmm, don't think that that's mm -hmm. her dream. But I'd be curious to know. If okay, that's her okay, dream or not. okay. So, well, that's a good um, opportunity, I think. And uh, yeah, she just does the art de vivre uh, thing, which is just—it's a little bit of everything, right? And it's a, yeah, it's like Perfect. an essence of of life uh, project. Thank you for that suggestion. Yes. Thank you very much, you. and uh, see you soon. Thank, thank you, you for, for yeah. Thank you for listening, and uh, see you at the at the next episode. Bye.